and welcome to Tales of the Uncharted Territory. <laughs> yes, we're still on the sort of uh, a very, very late Halloween sort of vibe, having just watched uh, season three, episode six, Eat Me. But, uh, you know, I don't do horror very well. Right, no. so any time that I uh, that I indulge in in horror, I have to sort of budget time for a come down. Yeah. Like this turn one. the lights on, make sure that there's yeah. like no. Uh... Exactly, exactly. Put on some some Disney and like sing along with the princesses and like just. That sounds yeah. like a fantastic way. <laughs> this one time, sort of, my, my brother and I had downloaded through certain means a, a video game called Silent Hill: The Room, which yeah. we've heard a lot about, uh-huh. uh, and we're still living at my mother's place at the time, and she was gone. And so, okay, we put the we burned the disc and and put it in and installed it, and then it starts off in this horribly decrepit like apartment where you look around and with this mounting sense of dread, and then like hands come out of the wall and there's a yawning bloody chasm through the okay. wall and that's your only option to progress is to go in there so my brother and I sort of silently looked at each other and then walked away from the computer and I deleted the game and broke the disc and he opened the like, curtains and we we're watched not Aladdin do- twice <laughs> we're not doing this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, birds of a feather I guess you and your brother <laughs> very much so so for a palate cleanser, why don't we finish off the uh, the Zan by Astro Girl Two? We've already done yes. six stories so far. Last time we did the Seed by Moon and Stars, On the First Day by Gat, and Benediction by Sunix. And the first one today is Duet for Leaf and Light, written by Snow Grouse for Wisdom Eagle. Ooh. There's a very sort of birdie theme here. There is. The grouse and the eagle The Grouse and the Eagle, though they are both full grown. No. I thought it was going to do like the holly and the ivy. Oh, I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, Sorry. fair enough. Okay, here it is written for the Zanfikathon and Wisdom Eagle who requested, ooh, a garden, music, a new way of expressing love, and one of the following pairings. Ooh, Zan slash Stark, Zan slash John, Zan slash Aaron. The pairing can be subtextual or canon, pronful or not, yep, or even just friendship, though with Stark, Zan, that would be hard to pull off. Well, yes, uh, they picked uh, Zan, uh, Aaron, as a uh, okay, story. you can either see this as Zan slash Aaron or Zan dash Aaron. There's a big difference between Zan slash Aaron and Zan dash Aaron. Is, so, what does the dash Aaron mean? Oh, what's I mean, the, it's like I'm like making like an allusion to slash fic. Exactly. No, yeah. I, I think that's that's very much the that's a thing where there's a, a sexual oh, romantic relationship. Right. But so, what's the dash then? Not sure. Okay. Oh, it's mental, spiritual love and joining one type of unity. Okay. Okay. So if you can watch Farscape, you're quite safe reading this. Okay, thank you. Thank it's you. set around Season of Death, first episode of the third series, and thus spoils the major cliffhanger of the end of Daimi Dichotomy. Warnings for the usual debauched liberties taken with the English language. Yeah, there's, mo- there's ma- it's massively per- poetic slash purple again. Gosh, ugh. There are Earth myth references in there, and you can take them as having come from John and blah, 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 blah. I really should just post the damn thick already. Oh, I like these little bits of... Yes. A little look into the mind of the author trying to, like... Notice that often they feel very apologetic from the yeah. author's perspective. Like they're apologizing for their weirdness, which is a shame. You should never apologize for your weirdness. Exactly. Celebrate <laughs> it and, and, and share it with, with love and pride. Thank you so much to... Oh, well, she says many thanks to Astro Girl too, but thank you to... Oh, uh, I assumed she... I have no idea. Thank you to Snow Grouse, who is apparently feeling very accomplished and... Rightly so. Do it for leaf and light. By Snow Grouse. Zan, no, you're not fate to share. Zan lifted her hand, dismissing John, silencing him. Oh, if only it worked that easy. It's not your choice to make, John. John was left in the corridor, rubbing warmth back into his arms, unable to look up. 
worn from the frost. It was then that Erin realized she was in a corridor with them, while her body still lay on the bed and felt a pang of loneliness. Panic. The sharp notes found in Efri Rosalka's song. She reached out to touch John, but her hand went straight through him. She opened her mouth to cry out, to somehow make him turn and face her. When she felt blue light upon her eyelids, now flesh and blood, shuddering as she was pulled back in by azure tendrils, forcing her to feel, forcing her heart to pump blood through veins that were already growing cold. Zan, the sad smile of Zan and her gentle hands, an osmosis of the soul flowing into the body, a mother's worried sigh in Aaron's ears as she fell asleep, Zan cradling her in her arms. Aaron, Aaron, come home. Sorry, come. Dream Aaron blinked at the clearness of the sky above, the summer sun blinding her, long grass tickling her bare feet. Zan? And there Zan was, ringed hand clasping the warrior's calloused one, chanting softly, touched cheeks, foreheads, opened eyes, opened a path, a meadow, an orchard of music. A blue grove of trees that sang surrounded them, and beneath the tallest of the trees Aaron lie palely loitering. Oh, John's silly stories. Did John tell stories to Zahn too, late at night, of beautiful enchantresses who sang you to sleep? Embraced, caressed by Zahn, still singing. Silver and blue and ash, the leaves chimed, each laughing as it fell, tinkling, whistling, chittering in its own song, raining softly around them like eiderdown. Softly, soft were Zahn's arms, Zahn's hands of healing and killing, of prayer and pain, holding her like some treasure, like she was fragile glass. Erin laughed and shook her head, thinking she didn't need to be treated like this. She was fine, Zan. Don't... Zan picked up one of the leaves, iridescent like a dragonfly's wings, vain hollow as a bird's bone, and touched it to Erin's lips. Shh. Erin smiled, laughed, a deep laughter from the heart, a child's true laughter she thought extinct from her mind. She caressed Zan's face, letting the love wash over her. For everything was right. Perfect here. She knew it in her heart of hearts. Some sacred grove of the Pau, perhaps that soothed the mind so. Whatever it was, it was more true than guns and blood and pain could ever be. The serenity reaching deeper inside her than any weapon could. Zahn traced Aaron's lips with the leaf tip. Zahn's pink tongue poking out in a little girl's secret packed smile. And Aaron responded with a low note in her throat. A small chuckling, ah! as she parted her lips and tasted the leaf. Oh, she blinked, sudden spark of electricity leaping from the leaf onto her tongue, but not at all unpleasant. Zahn smiled, and wherever, whatever it was, she did it again. Aaron's fingers clutched Zahn's robes like bedsheets, the notes of the music dancing to her, vibrating into her mouth and throat, the singing of the trees now boldly soaring into louder, softer and crueler rhythms. The music in her and outside her sang upon her skin as Zahn kissed her chest, neck, throat, holding Aaron trembling, shivering in joy. This is wonderful. Oof, yeah. It's like bordering PG, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's sort of uh, uh, oh, Willow and Tara on, on, on Buffy levels of, no, this is, this oh, is just okay. beautiful. Yeah. I, I sort of imagined them sort of... Well, I've, I've evoked this imagery before of two young young people of similar genders rowing uh, a, a little boat on the English countryside while mm. they read poetry to one another. And it works for young men and works for young women or yes. women of various ages Very as well. Very true, yeah. Uh, Zan's teeth nipped at the leaf, licked at it, tongue pushing the music into Aaron's mouth. Fierce, raw, the frail blue veins of the leaf crushed by their mutual hunger. A flurry, 
the beginning notes of a symphony of note leaves swirled around them, tickling, prickling, whipping Aaron's sensitized skin. It urged her on and on, a faster tempo, descending into raw, vulgar, pastoral jigs <laughs> as Zan entered her and she entered Zan. This is just... Oof. Grab your ukulele, come on. I'll, I'll find a violin somewhere. I can't play it, but that didn't stop Guy Gross. <laughs> the, the bonds of their minds were ribbons in the wind, twirling, ducking, chasing each other as if around a maypole, getting closer and closer to each other's cores with each taunting, giggling spin, kisses, touching more daring as the music swelled, rose to a thrumming crescendo, until the melody, the intertwined threads of their minds, single, one mind, the prick of the leaf shrapnels of the heat of the sun, the scream, yes, Zan's, hers, pierced the orchard, the astral bodies trembling, convulsing with release and love, their shapes turning, tumbling down on a bed of grass and glittering with leaf dust. <laughs> Several heartbeats later, Possessed by a sorrow she could not name or place correctly, it was all a sequence of disasters and sorrow upon Moya. Erin unclasped her hand from Zahn's, blinked, hand automatically raising to wipe the moisture from her lashes. The cabin was too cold, or too hot, she couldn't tell, just hugged herself. She had glimpsed the spots of red and yellow, the inevitable October, on Zahn's features. Erin? The whisper was frail, even more fragile now. Such energy... Such vibrant life wasted on frivolities, saving a mere soldier. Erin shook her head angrily. Zan, please. She turned her head away. Don't do this. Not for me. Don't do this to yourself. She sat up and leant against the wall. Yet Zan's warm, tender laugh was still the same, even if covered with a blue sleeve when the coughing followed. Zan rose up, swallowing when the coughing, but not her smile, finally ceased. What? what? What better time than now, Aaron? Zan stood in the doorway, gathering her robes around her, hands in a gesture of peace. Only the goddess knows if there's a tomorrow for any one of us. Another cough and a smile. She stepped close again, fanning her fingers in a gesture of blessing. Beloved Aaron, I'm doing this for all of, all of us, all of you, for all the love you've given me. Aaron rose to face Zan, caressing her veil. Morning veil? Not yet, damn it, not yet. Zan, don't go. No longer fighting the tears that rolled down her face. Such a strong face, Zan had called it. Frell. And then she was held again with love and warmth. I will miss you, Zan. Psh, my child. Zan caressed her hair as if she was committing it to memory. If the goddess wills it, we shall meet again, my beloved, beloved friend. And that whisper was softer than ever, a mere breath upon Aaron's ear. Aaron sat there for a long time after Zan had left mourning the mother of the mothership, gazing out of the window with a weak smile, remembering that everyone, Zan and herself, were but stardust and would be so again. The end, and then... Neep. Neep. Not sure what the... But it says neep at the end. <laughs> like there's three blank lines after end, and then neep. neep. And it, it's the full stop after neep that makes yeah. it so... Something that Snow Grouse apparently felt... Very, you know, oh, had, maybe, had strong feelings about. Maybe they're Scottish. Neep. Oh, Neeps and Taters? Neeps and Tatties. Yeah. Haggis, Neeps and Tatties. Oh. Turnip. What are, oh, Turnip, that's the one. Oh, yeah. So, thank you for that, uh, Snow Grouse. Do you remember how for a while we were doing, like, favourite lines that we sort of remembered and then we oh, forgot yeah. we were doing that? Mine is definitely the mother of the mothership. Oh, yes. For Zan, that no, is so, I, so yeah, good. Yeah, I definitely see that, where that came from, yes. 
Oh, we'll see. Like, let me try and remember that for the next story that we do. Oh, yeah. Which was written by uh, Volus, I suppose it's pronounced, the, oh, yeah. in, the, in the French version, for Moon and Stars. The story is called To Hell and Swallowed. That sounds a bit like... Uh. Interesting. And Moon and Stars requested reference to the Pau training and no Stark. Okay, that's... <laughs> That's a very decisive... No, yes, I will more of this and none of that. Oh, uh, no Stark. Right, sorry, I thought it was like, no Stark, don't, but yes. Uh, <laughs> Fandom Farscape characters on Raging PG, disclaimer, not mine. Summary, you can't pay attention to this world on your knees. Okay. All right. Notes pre-series. Spoilers for 112. 112 was... Oof. A uh, long time ago. Yeah, it was either the Flax. No, that was 130. It depends on the... Like, that was one of those ones that was flipped, oh, so we don't know yes. whether that was Rhapsody in Blue or the Flax. Rhapsody in Blue makes sense. Right. That's with Delphians. One moment I was lying in my cell, a savage capable of anything. The next, the truth was revealed to me, and I knew my true path from, thank God it's Friday, again. They don't tell Zan where they're taking her. Two new guards just appear at the door of her cell. They restrain her hands, shackle her feet, and escort her to a shuttle. She doesn't ask questions, not then. Not until they lead her off the shuttle and onto another ship. The walls are golden, and underneath her feet she feels breathing. What is this place? she murmurs, because they interpret quiet as weakness, and they don't withhold information from prisoners they perceive as weak. Hmm. Leviathan transports, one of her guards responds. Where am I going? she asks. To that, they do not respond. She paces the lengths of her th cell. At her previous station, she was at least given tasks. Here on the Leviathan, there is only endless waiting. She wants to howl. She wants to scream. It's been too long since she's been under a sun, and with nothing to occupy her, the lack is impossible to ignore. She does at least receive regular meals. The protein stays her hunger, stays the madness. For now. She leans against a wall, presses her cheek against the skin of it. She does not know how to communicate with the ship, but it brings some peace to her mind, knowing that she isn't completely isolated. She strokes her hand over the wall and imagines she hears the ship purr. Oh. <laughs> Certain guards appear on a regular basis, though she isn't able to develop a report with any of them. With each attempt, she's rebuffed, but she thinks the effort is a worthy one, regardless. As the weeks grow long, she puts a question to each of them. How long am I to be kept here? One woman laughs. But that's the most reply she receives. She fears she will grow mad again. There is nothing else to fill the vacuum in her mind, aside from the irritation of her captivity, the dark flashes of rage at her captors. This is not a novelty, this cramped, sun-deprived lunacy. This is nothing she has not experienced before. This is the new... This is the thing few outsiders understand about the Delvian Seek. It's a necessity, should one wish to remain sane. Before the people flowered, there was the dark time. Yeah. <laughs> there was a war and chaos and murder. Kalan, is that how you pronounce it again? Uh, no, Kalan? I think it's Kalen. Kalen. Said it Kalen. Right, yeah, yeah, Kalen. Reached out and showed them their path to evolution, to enlightenment. Kalen taught them the way to peace, both inside and out. Without the Sikh, they would all descend to savagery. This is what she was taught. This is what she believes. But only experience has shown her the truth of it. They found her wailing beside his body. She barely noticed their presence until they gathered his body, pulled him away from her. Then she fought blindly. She returned to herself when they bound her. Her throat throbbed from her screams, and blood coated her tongue, her hands. They stuck her in a dry, dark cell, and she thought they would leave her there to wither. 
no less than she deserved. One day, a guard escorts a Hynerian past her cell and stops, strolls away, just out of earshot. She approaches the door of her cell, crouches to meet the Hynerian's eyes. There is one other prisoner, he whispers to her, and two of us. I've bribed a guard. I have a plan. The guard returns. Come on, Domina. He leans on the last word with a sneer. Oh, sorry. Domina. (laughs) Uh, The Hynerian smiles, nods his head, waves casually to her as he leaves. She sits back on her heels, leans her head back. Breathes deep, and again. And she prays. Ooh. Oh, nice, yes. And apparently the title and summary are adapted from Christian Hawley's Interlude with Gypsies and Tambourines, which okay. I love that title. I, it is, it does have, have a very nice ring to it. Thank you so much for uh, for this wonderful, peaceful note. Yeah, I always wondered, like, what did their escape actually look like? Because it, it was established that... They like, arranged some sort of insurgency... But it was always as if Dargo and Zahn and Rigel had never spoken before their escape. It did seem a bit... They they did coordinate very well because, you know... Apparently? Yeah, because, like, the moment John arrives, everybody's, like, still super businesslike and, like, he's an outsider. He's a... Well, they think he's a Sebastian, so... uh, Yeah, true. Therefore a peacekeeper in whatever way, shape, or form, but... But also, like, Zan and Dargo hadn't introduced themselves to each other. No, I guess not. They only got to do that once they'd star-bursted away and they could, you know... Tell each other their names, so they've clearly never done that. No, so maybe their cells didn't have the view of each other's as they uh, were seen here. Oh, yeah. A few of these stories have mentioned that they had adjoining cells. Yes. And then you can, like, you can know that someone else is there or their gender by the sound of their voice or their species by the slap yeah. of their tentacles, I guess. Oh, by the shape <laughs> of their mivonks. You don't get to... No, you have to... Well, <laughs> I mean, can you hear the shape of someone's mivonks? Well, it depends on if you've got echolocation or not. <laughs> So we have one more story out of the uh, Zahn Fickathon. Uh, yeah, Fire and Brimstone, which is titled and a backup. Oh, yes, okay. Which so was is- again written by Astro Girl 2, this time for Red Star Robot. Oh. And Wisdom Eagle, I believe. Oh, here. It's a pinch hit for Wisdom Eagle who had to drop out due to RL. What's a pinch hit? Oh, it's I a think baseball it's a baseball thing? term. It's like a substitution. Oh, okay, so this is what happened. Wisdom Eagle... For who, to, who had one story written for them, was supposed right. to write yes. a story, and, and they I weren't think, able to. Yeah, and Astrogal 2 stepped in to write that story. Huh, okay. So, Red Star Robot, who, among other possibilities, asked for pre-series anarchist Zahn. Yeah! Oh, yeah, that sounds going to be interesting. That's... Bleh. <coughs> Let's edit, edit that. Edit, yeah. edit, That sounds like it's going to be absolutely fantastic. I yes. like, like the sound of anarchist Zahn. <laughs> In fact, I was the leading anarchist. <laughs> yes. She knows exactly what that means. She knows. Okay. Uh, I saw this like thing. Okay, okay, completely. I don't know what it's from. It's but some. It's some weird movie, and it's uh-huh. a kangaroo talking to another guy, and he asks, "Like, what are you?" And it's like, "I'm a, uh, I'm an anarchist." And uh, kangaroo goes, "Like, I'm a communist." Oh, that means we can be friends until the revolution. After that, it's going to get weird. (laughs) (laughs) This was from a movie? This was from some sort of movie, yes. And just to be clear, kangaroo is a... The actual animal, so... Yes. I mean, I'm not sure if it was like tanker-style kangaroos or anything, oh, but, you know, booger. You, couldn't qu- you couldn't quite make that out from the screenshots that were interred, but yes. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Fire and Brimstone by Astro Girl 2. Oh, no, just Astro Girl. Oh. Oh, 
That's interesting to start. S- somebody else must have taken Astro Girl on Live Journal. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, she's the original to us. Yes. Zahn raised her eyes from the flickering flame to the ornate metal basin that rested atop it and added oil, drop by careful drop. Bloop. Fragrant smoke wafted up, released by the warmth of the flame. She inhaled deeply, allowing it to fill her senses and calm her mind. She would need a clear head. The formula for this explosive was delicate and exact, and that's why we're working with flames and oil. <laughs> yes. After repeated... Ap- ah, it's the, it's the chief anarchist cookbook. Oh, yes. Yeah. Damn. Very good. After repeated applications of heating, mixing, and cooling, she was, l- at last, she was left at last with a small whitish lump, unimpressive in appearance can relate, and entirely inert until activated with the appropriate trigger substance. And yet, locked inside was enough explosive power to light up all of Delvia with its flame. That's a big explosive. Yeah. Or at least enough to oh. tear out a very large piece of the planet's corrupt political core. Oh, there we yes. go. It was beautiful. It was perfect. She slipped her creation gently into a protective covering to keep it pure and glanced at the timekeeper mounted to the wall a bright, flowering plant that tracked the position of the sun in the sky, even when it was obscured from view. Hmm. She was meant to be meditating at this arn, seeking the peace of spirit that would bring her into closer connection with the goddess. She laughed, as if chanting and prayer were any substitute for accomplishment, for action. Zand could not imagine that the religious ecstasies her Pau mentors claimed to feel in the presence of the goddess, and she had doubts as to whether they were anything but empty claims could possibly compare with the exhilarating rush of righteous destruction. Okay, so this yeah. is like hard to do, these like sub-clauses in sentences. Like it, it's, yes. I can imagine it's also kind of hard to follow when you're listening to this being read out. But Yes, well, I, I, you know, I do another story reading podcast called The Voice of Dog for the Furry Community, and there sometimes authors, they write in parentheses and italics and... Damn. What am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> yes. Or you'll have a story written entirely in the first person with, with someone who has a very distinct accent, and then they also speak, and then they also speak, like, in flashbacks. Oh, dear. So you have, yeah, yeah okay. We're nowhere near in that, in, that, in that sort of territory here. I am loving this. Yeah. I'm imagining that this is before Zan started shaving her head, and she's got a mohawk. Yes, I can see that. Right? Yeah. Right, just, like, sticks-pointed, flaxen mohawk. Oh, when the elders had asked her why she'd applied to train for the priesthood, she had told them her mother wished it, which was true enough as a bare, out-of-context fact. They, in their usual sanctimonious fashion, had suggested that whatever Zan might believe, the true reason must surely be that her soul cried out for the goddess, and the goddess was guiding her path. <laughs> so perceptive they claimed to be, and yet they could not see the obvious truth. What Zan desired was power. Bital had proved, if no one before him, that the priesthood was an effective means to political power. But whereas she had already begun to fear that Bital enjoyed the power for its own sake, Zan intended to use it to turn the political system against itself. And how could even the greatest political power compare with the power of the soul, of the mind, with the things a trained Pa'u could do? Zan refused to believe the stories of undisciplined power bringing insanity. She had done things her mentors would regard as unspeakable. And wasn't she still entirely sane? Ooh, any headline that is, uh, answers in a question mark can be answered by no. As <laughs> Betteridge's <laughs> law, yes. yes. But why should power be reserved for only those who felt, who claimed to feel, the touch of the goddess's spirit? The goddess had never spoken to her, not even when requested to, if she even truly existed. Clearly she wanted nothing to do with Zotozan. Very well, 
If the goddess had no use for Zan, then Zan had no use for her. Indeed, the very thought of becoming like the others, full of preaching and platitudes and frustrating passivity, made her shudder. If that was what the touch of the goddess brought one, then may she never live long enough to feel it. Righteous! <laughs> no, she thought, no meditation today. No hypocrisy, no sermons. She would do something honest. She pocketed her explosive and set off to do some damage. Righteous! <laughs> you, I won't do what you tell me! Whoa, that rhymes better! They should have done that! Oh? Frell you, I won't do what you tell me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, Fire and Brimstone by Astro Girl. Which concludes the uh, the Zan organized by Astro Girl and sent to us by our uh, by friend of the show and, and dear listener and contributor, Kathy. Thank you so much. These were fantastic. We hope you uh, enjoyed these uh, these readings in, from the, uh, the, the Ficaton. Uh, Duet for Leaf and Life by Snow Grouse, To Hell and Swallowed by Voleuse, and Astro Girls, Fire and Brimstone. Thank you for joining us for an episode, another episode of Tales from of the Uncharted, Uncharted Territories. territories. <laughs> I'm Kathy. I'm Kay. So far, so, so good. good. Bye-bye. 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 Sorry. <laughs> These people are English. They have no idea what that means. Some of them might be South African. True, true.